Hello and welcome to Carl's Interviews in podcast form. This is an audio extraction of the live interviews that I've conducted with some absolutely fantastic guests from all walks of life with a common theme of being truly inspiring and I cannot wait for you to hear their story. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another of Carl's interviews. Today I'm joined by Rachel, the pocket rocket Rutherford. Really good to have a talk to Rachel today, actually. She's a successful Ironman. We spoke about her introduction into the sport itself and actually quite an unusual introduction to it, not the, what one would say, conventional route through. I think it's probably a good place for us to start today, Rachel. So kind of what sports did you do when you were younger then? So when I was younger, younger, I did do a bit of competitive swimming, uh, probably up until about the age of 12 or 13. But then once I'd kind of hit that and left that, I didn't do anything. No, it wouldn't have been 12 or 13. It must be even younger. Um, I didn't actually do any sport until I was around 17 when I was a bit overweight. And I decided to I joined the Air Cadets, basically, and I decided to get a bit fitter. Yeah. So I started doing some running um, and then it kind of just took off from there. I've got quite an addictive personality. So once I decide I'm doing something, I've got to be amazing at it. And so I got into running while I was at college and then went off to uni. And that's where I discovered cycling. And then once I'd finished uni, I was really loving the cycling, doing a bit of running, not really swimming. And I just randomly decided to enter a triathlon. And then it kind of just took off from there. But my Ironman sort of proper journey, it was inspired by a, a lady that I met when I was at uni who was doing Ironman UK. And I was like, Louis? Oh, Louis, yeah. And I was like, I want to do one of those one day. And then, yeah, I kind of signed up for Ironman Wales. I was having a bit of a difficult year and I wanted something different and challenging to do. So I signed up for Ironman Wales. And then it kind of, when I was at Wales and I came, I came second out of nine people in my age group and I was like, now I can get this Kona slot. And I think that was where Lanzarote came in. So, yeah. That's... It sounds so simple, doesn't it, when you kind of say that? Yeah, I did a bit of swimming when I was younger, then I stopped. Is it why you stopped because you didn't like the early morning training sessions? Yeah, so it was actually, <laughs> led, it was actually led by my mum on that one because I, I was a bit gutted, actually. But, yeah, mum was like, I'm not taking you at half five in the morning. They encouraged yeah. my parent, but she was like, I just can't do it every day. And it's... I think, to be honest, it was fair enough because I'm not convinced. I like when you, I don't know if you've done it, but when you swim every single day, it's, it loses the fun as well. It's quite draining because you know what getting in a cold pool's like in yeah. the middle of winter, not fun. So, yeah, it's, um, but no, I'm, I'm almost quite glad in a way that I had that, had that break. But I do come from a, my dad's very active and he, he came and watched Wales and he's, he's getting older now and he's got these injuries that mean he can't really run properly and stuff and I can tell he's a bit gutted he never got to do one so yeah. it's it's something I'm, I'm it's nice to say I've done I've done three of them so I'm, yeah and um obviously the running you did do you initially started it um just to try and get fit for as you say for the air cadets and then you noticed you were losing a bit of weight as a result of it and you kind of started then didn't you pay a little bit more attention to I suppose yeah. yourself physically which is inevitable at that age but um, to talk through some of the other challenges you had, because to start with, you weren't watching where you eat, were you? And that was everything from your takeaway Fridays, etc. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I, prob- I don't think that there was a point that 
I consciously ever decided to lose weight, but I definitely, from obviously picking up from doing no exercise to doing exercise, inevitable, you're, you're burning more yeah. calories. Um, but I, back in the day, would eat like two dinners and not think anything of it. And I wonder at the time whether it was more just a thing to fill the time, because now I do sit there and wonder if I wasn't doing all these hours and hours of stuff, what I'd be doing instead. Um, but yeah, so I lost I lost a lot of weight and then kind of boarded into the borderline eating disorder um, sort of line. And I think I've kind of wobbled around that through my whole uni sort of time. I did wobble in and out of whether it was really healthy or not. Um, but I have, I think we spoke briefly about it the other day. Yeah. It's definitely something you see a lot more among female athletes now and this whole being not eating enough for the amount of exercise that we do because it is a crazy amount really when you think about it and how it is a lot more widespread than you realize do you think there's enough education out there for people to understand the importance of that fuel that goes into you especially with the sort of level you were training at um i i think it's such a niche isn't it i'd say i'd say the the information's there if you want it okay. but when i the obsession i, I I can't I don't think it was that so much that for me but I know a lot of it is all this race weight and I know one thing that is massive for me is comparison like I struggle on even on social media sometimes with there's so many people posting pictures of them semi-naked with their super flat tone and you just have to take a seat sit back and just think is that realistic like um and actually you don't see a lot of what goes on behind the scenes so when I was tiny I had no energy like I'd go out on the bike and this is worrying but you'd worry you'd faint because you've just not got enough in your body and there's that fine line between feeling strong and looking good and being actually putting yourself in danger I think but am I right that what was difficult for you as well is the fact that people were actually complimenting how you looked and then you naturally Mm -hmm. associated that with well I better keep doing what I'm doing then because that's got to be the answer well it's the way all along isn't it that's the that's the whole thing because it's yeah definitely I don't really quite know how to how to explain that one but it's very much a thing where you're like oh I feel good and I look good and uh, (laughs) this is definitely the right thing but there is a point when and I think everyone struggles with it must do with weight loss is when you reach your goal weight is staying at that weight yeah it's the same both ways isn't it at the end of the day so yeah and then you spoke about obviously Louis influencing you wanting to give it a go um, to go yeah. into arms. What was it then? Was it about her personality, her training? What inspired you? So I met her at a, um, it was a sports psychology just bonus thing I'd signed up for at uni where it was sort of lots of meditation and race techniques before a race and how to keep yourself calm. And yeah, I think it was, it was, it was something I hadn't heard of before, which was another okay. thing. So it was this new thing and, she was part of this tri club and I love a challenge. I think the thing that drew me to Iron Man once I found out about it through her was the fact that she was going, Oh, you should do one of these to be great for you, etc. But also when I decided to do one, not many people were doing them. They were still such a rare thing that everyone was like, Oh my goodness, an Iron Man. And I kind of liked the fact as well that not many girls were doing it because it was yeah. something so And that's another thing that's nice about being in sort of triathlon and sport and things is that it is a male dominated sport and it's so nice to be sort of part of the female field in a way. And 
Yeah, and even Iron Man, I, there was some stark figures. It was something like there was like two hundred women doing Iron Man Wales and two thousand men or something. It was, oh. it was that might be a bit extreme, but it was something. It was something quite extreme at that. And it's nice that you're kind of doing that. But yeah, I think it's it's always the way. Once I had a seed planted, I and <laughs> it's it was something I had to do. And I know from then on, I've gone on to inspire a few of my friends to give the old Iron Man a go. So it's yeah. Another, you say, well, you know, back then it was a bit, people thought, oh, wow, an Ironman. It's mm. still was it a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile cycle, and then a marathon, so 26.2 yeah. miles. It, it, it still is quite a big thing. Yeah, it's still quite a long way, isn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then you sit there, and there are people that do these triple and double Ironmans, and I just. just What's wrong with just, them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I totally agree with you there. <laughs> But it's, it's almost different, isn't it, that um, some, some runs a marathon, so I better do two marathons, then, then I do an ultra, and one Ironman's clearly not enough, so I'm going to double that, and where do we stop? It's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's always doing something extra that everyone else has done. Um, and, yeah, that was definitely what drew, me, what drew me into it, was the fact that it was something that I just... To be able to walk around and go, I've done an Ironman, like, I'm pretty sure it was part of why I got an interview for the job that I've got now because it's something different about you yeah. that kind of gives you it shows you've got a massive amount of drive and determination for one thing and gives you something to talk about and that's kind of I'm almost now I kind of feel like I need a new challenge to do something different one day I'd like to do a to do a hundred mile ultra it's um it's on the list like not anytime soon but obviously it's on the list but challenges are just great but I also don't want to keep doing the same one over and over i think for me and there's some of your challenges i want to come on to as well including one that i think you're potentially coming up in um new york 312 yeah so i was meant to be doing that last year and i so obviously it all got cancelled and stuff so i haven't actually got an entry to that anymore but that is one that's massively on my list i I remember when i first went to mallorca i think it was in like 2018 it was the most amazing 10 days ever. And they were people cycling around with the jersey on. And I was like, I can do that. So it is on <laughs> it is on my list to do one year, definitely. Has that been quite a common theme then? The attitude of, I can do that. And that's kind of what's led you to give it a go? Um, I, th- I think the thing, the way that I look at it is what's the worst that can happen? Honestly, it's kind of, I'm never going to win it. And I think once you once you accept that and you're doing it for yourself, it's a very, very different kind of thing. Like, and there, were, I think that's what's so nice about Iron Man as well is it's completely your own journey. Yeah. You can make it whatever you want to make it. And yeah, I, I honestly believe that you can achieve 99% of what you put your mind to. And a lot of opportunities in life will just go past you. Like, it's the same with, if if you want something, just ask for it. Because if all people can say is no, as long as you're not being ridiculous, I'm very much a believer in that you sort of shape your own luck and destiny. I think actually, because obviously with any guest, I try and do a bit of homework as well. And I can see yeah. you did the apprenticeship scheme with Rolls Royce. <clears throat> you then decided about being a PT and gave that a stab while being a waitress simultaneously. Mm. Then obviously went on to be assisted by now with co-op. And I think I like the fact that you were going, well, this isn't for me. So I'm going to try something different and try something yeah. new to define what makes me happy. And it's a good message for all of us really in life, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. So obviously my dad was like the most unimpressed person when I left Rolls Royce at the end of <laughs> 2018. 
or two thousand no two thousand and seventeen times time flies um but i it was it was one of those with the p t like if i if I hadn't given it a go, I'd have always wondered what it would have been like and I think that's one of the worst things in life. You don't want to be stuck in a job that you're not enjoying. You spend all your time there. And yeah, it's taken me like four stabs before I found what it is that I enjoy. But I really love my job at the moment. It's it's so I'm a buyer at the co-op um, and I buy front of store drinks. But the relationships I get to have with suppliers and it's just amazing. I, yeah. I love talking to people and it's it's building those relationships and seeing supplies come from being tiny to grow it's it's such a magical thing so it's definitely I think with jobs there is something out there for everyone and just because you're in one doesn't mean you should stay in it forever and I'm a big believer in that but interesting I had a chat with my manager when I joined about how that first bit of a job when you don't know what you're doing and you start a new company and you feel like you're not busy and you're worried that you're going to get fired in the first week because you're not busy and he said to me, he was like, that's why most people don't change jobs because it is scary and yeah. it's so true, but it's so worth it. I, I appreciate for some people watching that purely about tri triathlons and Ironman and that we diversify slightly, but it's really important because it kind of, it's a theme I picked up on throughout every time you've done something, mm. um, but you're also really goal orientated. And I've seen from um, when I've read about some of your training and plans and bits, that, that's always helped, isn't it, if you know you're working towards something. Mm. You, give me a bit of an idea of what your, I suppose, typical training week looks like when you're building up to an Ironman. So at the moment, for the last year, I've kind of just been doing what I fancy when I when I fancy it, because I honestly don't think half the races are going to happen this year yeah. still. I'm very, very, especially, they're all international, and I, who knows. But so in the build-up to an Ironman, it's, you kind of just tick over on about, on three runs three bikes and three swims that are the swims are normally over 3k you normally do three of them in a week um run i would only ever do one running speed session because i'm very prone to injury running for some reason and one long run at the weekend and then one other run normally a run off the bike and then three bikes which again long bike at the weekend and then two interval bikes in the week but it, the main part in the build-up for the Ironmans when you're getting towards the end and you're doing your sort of 100 mile bike rides and you're running off the bike for 20 minutes or and you're going out for your so my longest run for um, Lanzarote and Kona was 18 miles I think it was 20 before um, Wales but you're you basically you need to know that you can complete those distances before you do it because if you don't mentally you're just not in in the eye man you need to be able to draw on those training sessions and it's it's so true what they say is that if you're running a marathon and you get to mile six to mile 10 and you've not done a 20 mile run <laughs> how do you know that you can you yeah. can run 20 miles no, or whatever it is obviously the last six are painful anyway so you just yes. get on with it head down <laughs> but um yeah and what about i suppose that technical transition bit do you practice that much because am i right that you're transition times in Lanzarote were identical for <laughs> yeah, they were. So so weird. it almost seems you practiced that <laughs> perfectly I know. I've no idea how that happened to be honest at all um it's not it's not uh, I have never been a particularly fast transition person I know people do practice them but I've always been a bit of an out the wall to get the socks on because I'm not cycling or something without running without socks on whereas right. that's quite rare and I don't do these flying starts on the bike but 
I think I didn't do that many short distance ones. And once you get to sort of Ironman distance, it, it's unless you're Lucy Charles and you're up the front trying yeah. to win the race, it's it's negligible. Um, but yeah, most people do practice them, just not me apparently. <laughs> so obviously you completed Wales and then you're heading to Lanzarote. And I know it was Chrissy Wellington that you read the book of and you yeah. were inspired to go and do that. What sort of form were you in at that stage? Did you think you could do as well as you did? At Lanzarote? Yeah. Yeah, so Lanzarote was the Kona focus race. Yes. Um, so I'd started working with a new coach at the beginning of the year and I had actually, I'd been injured, so I hadn't really done much running before Lanzarote, if the, literally hardly any, which was quite frustrating and we did cut all the speed work out. But in theory, I was in, I was in the, some of the best shape of my life I'd had some really consistent training and because I had that excitement around the idea of going to qualify it was it was sort of the motivation came from that and yeah the only challenge I'd say about Lanzarote is because of the time of year it is you do have some really cold training months um especially you you're getting your long bikes in and it's not really quite warm enough out there yet but yeah really driven driven towards Lanzarote for sure and then it seems almost a, a, an obvious question, but how did you then feel when you realised that you qualified to go to Hawaii? Oh, it's it's like a crazy, crazy thing. I, I think it's got to be one of the proudest moments of my life. I mean, you, you've got all your like getting your uni degree and all that, but it's again, it's something that so few people actually get to do. Yeah, that it was amazing. Like I remember, there's a there was a girl called Rosie Hattersley who I went to uni with. And she'd been to Kona in like 2017, and I was kind of like, "Yeah, I've got to got to do that one day." And it is it's just like, and when you go and collect your your place, it's just amazing. It really is. And because I, I encourage people to ask any questions, and one of the ones that came through was, "How did it feel to be called an Iron Man by the voice of Iron Man himself, Mike Riley?" Oh, it's amazing. I think at Wales, <laughs> I got two mentions as well. Right. Like it was Rachel Rutherford. <laughs> and um, but I, I'd put a really cheesy tagline, like a girl with a dream or something. And it, went, it was when that was read out. You're like, I'm exhausted and this is embarrassing. <laughs> but yeah, I've got a really special video from Wales as well of my friend videoing my dad cheering me over the finish line. And oh, it's lovely. things like that. It's just really special. So So for someone that's aspiring to get into either triathlon or Ironman, but potentially hasn't had as much experience in any of the disciplines as such, what sort of advice would you give people? Where to start? I think the thing that I'd say with starting triathlon is everyone's like, oh, go and get a coach. And yeah, if you need the motivation, it's great. But start doing the sports because if you don't cycle, just start doing some cycling. Start small, but... It, I for me I find if you get a coach and they're really driven then they'll end up sending you this week of training that you might find unrealistic and un, sort of unachievable and that's what it's all got to be about it's all got to fit around your life like we aren't professional sports people we do it for fun so it has yeah. to fit around your life and also remember that if you're not training for 10 hours a week at the moment you can't go from from zero to hero because you will just burn out and I think that's what I see a lot of, and especially over lockdown, I saw a lot of people just suddenly running like 50 miles a week and having done five before and 
just getting injured so i think you've got to be realistic for what you're doing that's probably one of the biggest biggest ones but also join a club and find some friends to do it with because it it can get quite lonely especially if you're doing long distance and what about the kit as well because it's and the the cost as well around the race centric because i understand that can be a barrier sometimes it's i have to say i'm in a very privileged position where i've been able to go to places like hawaii and stuff like it's it is really expensive and yeah it's hawaii entry race entry fee was like 850 pounds or something like that it's ironman's really expensive as well and i think there's a lot and been a lot of frustration this year with how ironman have responded to the the crisis and stuff with not cancelling races and you can kind of understand why at that price but triathlons are just expensive i remember looking at sprints and you're looking 50 55 pounds for a sprint triathlon and that is a lot of money and things like buying a good bike and like they all it it does rack up really quickly that is definitely true and it's at that point now where I'm kind of I'm just about to buy a house and things and you kind of sat here like I probably should spend a little bit less on that now and a little bit more (laughs) on life but yeah it's it's really expensive but I think things like buying a second-hand bike like my first hand my first road bike was second-hand you can get some really good stuff out there if you if you look around and it's the same with kit you don't have to spend a fortune just because everyone else has got Costelli jersey they've spent a fortune on doesn't mean you have to get one and I've never been one for spending loads on just training kit so it is expensive but you I think you can monitor it and make it cheaper what advice would you give them people that are starting out in terms of must-haves kit wise what should they definitely go for so obviously you've got your bike, um, a, a wetsuit. But again, wetsuits you can get secondhand, or you can get. You don't have to spend a fortune. But so yeah, bike, helmet, a good pair of glasses, some cycling shoes, pair of trainers. I would recommend a tri suit and a wetsuit, but and a race belt maybe. But you can. It's a growing list, isn't it? <laughs> it's a growing list. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, sorry, I think we just froze. I said it was a growing list. Pardon? I said it was a growing list. Yeah, bas- basically, there's it's probably one I can make a video on actually, but <laughs> it's it's just the basics that you think you need. Like, all, it's all you don't need an aero helmet. You don't need it's these are things you end up buying as you go. I, I made a video like triathlon for beginners the other day, and my friend was like, "Did you write in there?" you're like, you need a growing bank balance. And I was like, no, it's for beginners. You don't want to tell them that yet. But just stick to the basics, especially until you're sure that it's for you, I think. And what about, because obviously you talk about some of the costs involved in the kit and the race entry. Is there any support or assistance for people that have got the, the talent but potentially can't afford to do that? So this is one area where I don't think that there is enough support for this. I think okay. sponsorships are very hard to come by and I certainly haven't managed to work out how to get any really. Um, and it, it is really hard, but I think that's one thing later in life. Once I've made my millions, I'd really like to sort of have a almost like a charity that does support some of these sort of underdogs because if you don't have a big social media following and you don't know someone who knows someone, it's almost impossible now. If you look at all the ambassadors, it's just a constant stream of people being rotated through. And I think it's more about who you know rather than your your actual skill, yeah. which is a bit sad. But 
unless you're in that elite path, the opportunities, I just don't think they're there. And what about, you obviously said that um, you're one of few women, so about 10% of the, those entering were women. What do you think we can do more to raise the profile of it, to encourage more females to enter? It's really tricky, this one, because I come from, so my dad's very active and so is my stepmom, but the other side of my family aren't. And I know when I'm back there, they they have to do their exercise around their hair washing routine. They can't. I need to wash mine because Chris has gone crazy. But um, but for me, I, I would go for a swim before work and then would arrive at work with wet hair and not any yeah. makeup on and it would dry through the day, etc. But so many females won't do that. And I think that that's part of what needs to be changed is around the what's not, what's expected of a woman and what's normal. And things like makeup and stuff, lots of females won't go to work or anywhere without that on. And then you've got the whole sweat debacle where women don't like sweating. And it's a lot wider spread than we think. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know that one, to be honest. It's, it's a, it's, I know a lot of big brands are trying to combat it. And I think work has in progress is being made. But okay. it's, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge, that one, because it's, it's how people are happy to be perceived, I think, isn't it? And at the events itself, do you notice the difference between the two or are you all just there because everyone, you're there to do an Ironman and treat it as such? Do you know what I say at an Ironman? You're all treated the same because you're all equally nuts. Yeah. And I think I think because you are so far and few between it, it's quite, when you see other girls there, you are like, oh, you're doing one of these too. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's really nice. And yeah no i wouldn't say there is at the events it's just one of those things and i think iron man's maybe a bit extreme because it's obviously quite a long way of course but hope but you, i think we're definitely seeing some progress in terms of getting women on bikes like i've definitely seen a lot of movement in that over the last few years and the same with racing like now hopefully when some of the running races come back it's really nice in some of these bigger 5ks and 10ks to properly see some women getting out there so what's next for you has got to be my obvious question because at such a young age to have achieved what you have, um, you tend to try and progress further in that, in the sport of Ironman or is there other bits, the, the cycling so, or other focuses? Originally, I really, really wanted to become a pro triathlete, but over since I've been to Kona, I've kind of found a job I'm really enjoying now. And I think there's, for me, the next few years about finding more balance in my life. I wouldn't say because I think for me doing Ironman I've massively neglected social life and things like that because there's only so much time in the day and when you work full-time and you train before and after work you are exhausted by the evening like, there's no other way to put it by nine o'clock you're absolutely conked out and so for me it's about finding a bit of balance this year I'm meant to be doing a race end of june for team gb but i had i think that was going to happen it's the one in austria for a middle distance but i don't think that's going to happen in in august but again i feel i feel still if that's going to happen i don't know and then a 70.3 in barcelona later this year but one thing that i would say is i don't think i'd ever stop triathlons it's a big part of who i am but i probably yeah. would drop down to middle distance from next year i think because it's still long enough that you feel like you've you're doing something quite significant but it's it's amazing what a pressure it puts on you by knowing you've got to do that because it is it is a hard it is a hard day out 
it's a bit of an understatement. Um, what about recovery then afterwards? Because I can't relate to it. I mean, I've run marathons, but I've certainly not done the whole thing. Yeah. So how do you feel the next day and the next couple of days afterwards? So the next day is still, well, I found after all of mine, I haven't slept that well. I think yes. just because it starts it's about middle of the night, your legs start like, oh, yeah. um, and it just gets worse over the next few days. But like anything else, it heals after a few days. But what you do have is like a mental tiredness. Okay. And I remember after Wales, it lasted about a month and it wasn't wow. like your muscles recover fine. But when you're out running and stuff like you just feel it just feels hard and you don't feel fresh. Um. I did find it was less after Lanzarote. I wonder if your body starts to get used to it after you've done a few, but there's definitely like a, I think people call it like a post-race depression type thing. Mm. And I think where you've been building up to something for so long and then suddenly it's gone, it's it's a very weird place to be in. I've heard that actually a lot of friends that have done it and they've said similar that not only from the mental side, but also you almost become immunosuppressed because your body yeah. has such a kicking that you just struggle for a while afterwards and people see and you think you've just done an iron man <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah literally it's all of it it's energy and everything yeah. some, your body's almost trying to refine its balance after you've put it through something quite crazy so i've got a, a couple of other quick questions if you can one of them being you've shown time and time again that you're willing to get up early put the miles in put the training in but how do you motivate yourself when you're really struggling it's cold as well and you just don't want to I think it's a vicious cycle you see if you start missing one you start yeah. don't get me wrong if I am absolutely exhausted I do move the training session or or do something different I've, I've, I think I'm at the point now where I won't do something where I'm just going to make it worse because if you are truly exhausted there's a difference between exhaustion and just being lazy I think for me and I think the more you do it, the more you get to know your body and know which one it is. If I'm exhausted, I'll have a rest. If I've just got no energy, I kind of, my biggest, my biggest one I use is, so for example, I'm doing a run set. I'll be like, you can go out, you can run a mile. And if you're still not feeling like it, you can come home. And nine times out of 10, as we all know, as soon as you go out and you yeah. started running, you're fine. And I, there's lots of like little mental tricks that I try to use with myself. And I think it's all independent and, motivations for you where you can be like if you go out then you can do that or you can buy yourself not buy yourself that but you can have it that as a treat or something and i think we all have different sort of mental tricks we use and do you find yourself doing that during the events as well when it's getting painful and tough so when i was going around wales i basically i could never give up i think when you think about it if you had to go home and go oh, i didn't finish it oh my god that'd be soul destroying so, but I remember I saw a sign at the beginning of Wales that was like, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And that was kind of my tagline all the yes. way around, <laughs> around the Ironman. And the other thing is that I think it was my coach said was picturing the finish line and picturing yourself running over that finish line. And it does make a difference, especially in your first one. And that feeling of actually running over the finish line at Wales was just amazing. It's just crazy. That's really interesting. I've heard other people say that kind of from both perspectives. One, imagining how you're going to explain to people that you arrived there and mm -hmm. didn't finish and yeah. how you would feel then. And then the other bit is imagine how good it's going to feel when your family there, everyone's cheering and you're crossing over the line. And you're eating your pizza and it's done and you're watching everyone else still running. That's, <laughs> that's the time, yeah. So 
for people that do want to carry on following, because I know you're quite active on social media, actually, and you, you share the good yeah. and the bad, what you're up to. So for people wanting to follow what you are up to and what's coming up, what's the best way of them doing so? Uh, that's my Instagram. It's not, I'm a bit nuts, but um, I, I, do in, I have to say, you know, saying about inspiring and things like that in terms of finding motivation when it's not there. Often a scroll through social media can give me a bit of a kick because someone will be like, oh, I've just got a back from a run and I'll be like, oh, God, I'd better go. And I? Um, but that's, I think, one of the reasons I love having my page so much is the people that follow me and the interactions and stuff. Like, it's, it's so nice to know that you might have inspired someone. To- and that concludes another interview for the day. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And as ever, if you have any feedback, send it through to me at my Instagram handle of fighting underscore the underscore dad Enjoy the rest of your day.